Hey, listeners, welcome to another episode of Adventures in Parenting. I'm Jesse. And I'm Erin. We're librarians. We're busy moms. And we, we love, love podcasts. podcasts. Today, we're in Studio E at the Patrick Medford Library with our guest, Brian Schwartz, head of the Patrick Medford Library's teen department and avid gamer. Welcome, Brian. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Brian is our resident gaming expert, and he's joining us on the podcast today to discuss the social and cognitive benefits of board gaming and family gaming. And he's got some really great game recommendations, too. Before we get started about talking family gaming, can you maybe tell us a little bit about your background with gaming and sure. So what you like to do? I started playing games when I was video games when I was about five. My parents got me a Nintendo and I really wanted to see Mario Brothers. So <laughs> it kind of snowballed from there. But as far as board games, I started playing party games, played Monopoly, Careers, Life. Careers, Life. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the, my kids now would never. The basic Careers, I think, is very hard to find these days. I don't even know if they make it anymore. I don't think it's being made, but I started to host game nights when I moved out of my parents' house, and I played a lot of party games. Apples to Apples was my jam. I played some trivia games, and then after a while, I started to run out of question cards, and then I started to buy more obscure trivia games, which also ran out of question cards, and gradually, I started to realize that these games have limited play, especially if you have people over on a regular basis. You can go through the question cards. You're playing a game for an hour, and it has 50 question cards, 100 question cards. You can go through them in a couple of weeks. So then I started to play strategy games. And strategy games are really cool because they have almost unlimited replayability and they cause you to think a lot more than party games. And they're definitely, it's nice to learn something new that you've never done before. And I feel like with strategy games, you're using different parts of your brain. Party games are more fun, but I like to, the strategy games because they make me think more. What, what are well, they? Is it a, Uno is a strategy, actually, right? a little bit, right? What are they? Uno is, no, it's, it's more like, I guess it has some strategy, but I don't really think Uno is very strategic. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other conversation, which we could possibly get into, but not a fan of Uno. I actually played a lot of Phase 10. Have you played Phase 10? Phase 10 is like a rummy style game where you have to make runs of certain types of cards. You have to get a certain amount of pairs and then it's very competitive. Phase 10 is a good next level if you're done with Uno and you want to move on to something a little more complex, but I still don't think it's a great game. I love <laughs> that Aaron and I were scandalized that you don't like Uno. <laughs> that just shows how basic gamers we are. I'm like, Uno? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I can help open your eyes a little bit That's after right. our chat today. You That's know what my here. biggest problem with a lot of these games? I'll buy something and the instructions are horrible. We just bought a game for my daughter for the holidays and she can like write the rules of the game as you're going you use cards and you create the rules <laughs> daughter does that for every game anyway <laughs> exactly but I can't understand the instructions so we can't play it it's I just yes I agree with you yeah. so I'm going to help you both out I have a pro tip that I recommend and what I would suggest very simple go on YouTube type in how to play blank name of game and they have videos on every game you could imagine and someone's created a video on how to play it instead of having to read the instructions they have a visual interpretation interpretation of it. So you can watch someone playing it. And that's how I learn my games. Sure. It helps a lot. Do you have any game people that you recommend? Any reviewers or any channels or anything? Or just I mean, it depends. and see what you like? Learning a game for me, especially a complicated game, is a project. But the first thing I do is, besides reading the rule book, I like to go on YouTube. And I like the Dice Tower, but there's a lot of other uh, resources out there that are helpful in learning how to play these. I've never found a game where there was at least not one video on it, no matter how obscure it is. Oh, okay. Wow. Good to know. And I should have done that. We bought a a Jumanji game okay. from a yard sale, literally from the 90s. And it was so complicated. Was it cursed? You know, it felt cursed. I'll tell you what. I don't even think we finished playing it because it was just so convoluted. Was it looked 
you could also, if you don't understand, the rhino runs through the wall. <laughs> if you don't understand the rules, there's also the videos of people actually playing the games. So you could watch people playing it and see how they play it. Depends on the game, though, based on the complexity. I mean, Uno, I think people people can figure out, but some of the games that are out there, the some of the, even the family games that are geared toward family, some of them have a little bit complexity in the rules. So how long can some of these strategy games go on? Like, can you continue them every week? I personally prefer one-off games. There's games that have campaigns, which is a series of games that you play over time. Okay. But I like games that you could play within my most of the games that I personally own. I own about 230 games right now. My collection's constantly evolving and because I'm a librarian we like to weed so mm. I weed my collection I get rid of games that I don't really have interest in anymore and I often give them away I usually buy a game and I try to get rid of a game so that way I have a medium size it's a big collection but I know people who have thousands of games I met someone who had 3,000 games in their wow. collection but my limit's like 230 240 so I try to pare it down that's awesome amazing yeah that's a really incredible resource just for here in terms right. of purchasing the games that you can borrow from the library because you've owned them you know them you've played Played them. You can recommend them. To answer your question, though, my sweet spot for playing games is like two hours max. Otherwise, it also depends largely on who you're playing with. How old are the people you're playing with? How experienced are they? And how much time are they going to take on their turns? Are they engaged in the game? Because if someone's not paying attention, it's going to make the game draw out a lot longer. This is every problem (laughs) with every parent's game night. (laughs) Exactly. It has to be immediately engaging. Or I have to immediately be losing and then the kids are so engaged. They love just laughing that I'm losing. (laughs) So how did you start incorporating gaming into the library? Is that a common thing that libraries have gaming collections or is so I don't think it's super common I started because when I got hired to work in teen I was into games and I started to bring my games to work like we have a video game tournament we're having at the library the kids who were playing the video game tournament we're playing but the ones who aren't playing whether they're waiting for their turn if they were eliminated have nothing to do so I'd bring one of my personal games and I would play with the kids and they used to actually fight with me over who got to play <laughs> as far as the collection goes I decided to start a collection about three years ago I went to a big game convention called Gen Con, which is held every year in Indianapolis. And I went to a seminar about starting your own board game collection for the library. So that kind of gave me some tips and tricks. I would say there's maybe four or five other libraries in the county that have board games. And it's a collection that's constantly evolving. And I'm always looking for suggestions. And didn't you present recently at that? Yes, I did present. I'm going to be presenting again this year, too. I did a a presentation about trivia because I'm into trivia. And I also did one called Raising Staff Morale Through Gaming. Yeah. And listeners, he sure does that. We are very focused on maintaining a healthy culture and collaborative efforts and all those good things. And Brian is fantastic with helping us do that by putting together these staff games. We just did Staff Survivor. It was 15 minutes every week. It did a quick little challenge and it was so much fun. And it was only 15 minutes. You take your break and... You have the best time. Yeah, I, I really enjoy doing that stuff and incorporating my gaming into the workplace, especially when it involves like stuff I enjoy, such as the TV show Survivor. Why is gaming good for you? I think gaming is good for you for a number for a number of different reasons. The biggest thing for me, and this is goes back into my my family and gaming in general. So I visit my parents once a week, and I find it important to see them. I see them every Sunday, and I bring a board game, and we play two games every week. Before I played board games, I noticed everyone was just on their phones, or they would watch TV and they were just playing on their phones and I'm like let's play a game we can at least sit around the table look at each other and do an activity that involves everybody so that's kind of how 
it transforms. It gets you away from your screens, which I think is the number one reason why I think gaming is great for families. I also think as adults, it's important for adults to learn new games because we don't learn stuff as much as we do as we're in school. You know, kids learn a lot more because they're in school and they're exposed to new new challenges and new things they have to learn every day. But adults don't really have that as much. So learning a new game is using a part of your brain that you normally want to use because you're learning new rules, you're learning a new a new set. And plus the games use different types of different parts of your brain depending on the type of game. And I know just from, you know, couple advice is you should be doing new things together because it helps to bond you. So it's the same thing with your family. If you're all learning a new game together, you're bonding in that way. You're figuring it out. You're working as a team. Oh, it sounds lovely. I'm actually trying to create a family of gamers. <laughs> so I know we just touched on some of the benefits of family gaming, but are there any others that maybe would help push me in the right direction <laughs> and dedicate the time. Listeners know I'm always complaining that there's not enough time. So how do you make the time and what is the why? Give me some reasons that I should really make this a focus in my life. I think the main thing is the fact that it's so getting away from the screen. I mean, I think families sit down, they watch TV together. Why not sit down and play a game together or what, instead of watching a movie together? And it's also a very low cost activity. Going to a movie as a family, how much does that cost? Oh my gosh, like $100 for a family of four. You buy a board game. Let's say the I game is... Tickets. Yes, exactly. Let's say the game is $30. You play it 10 times. Look at the return versus seeing one movie, which is a you know an hour and a half, two-hour experience, versus a game which could be an hour and a half per play. Do the math, and you're coming out much better by playing a game. And the replay value on most of these games is very high. Speaks <laughs> Where do you buy a lot of your games? Currently, I use Amazon. But if you go to Target, I'm very happy every time I go there. If you look at their board game section, they have the kind of games I like. Complicated games like Everdell, which you probably haven't heard of. And they have other games that I have in my collection. The prices are comparable to Amazon, but the, the selection is just, it's amazing what they have. And if you went there five years ago, you wouldn't find the same kind of games. That's but, probably a great activity for a family to do together. To go to Target, look at the games, pick them out. If your children can agree. Yeah. <laughs> Barnes and Noble also has them as well, but you know, any kind of big box store has, you know, those kind of games now and it's just it's it's impressive how much they've gone out there. I don't think they're completely out there. Like if I like the, um, you haven't heard of the game I mentioned, Everdell, right? No. Yeah, most of these games have not become household names. I think that have you heard of Wingspan? Yes. Okay. And I think it was only because it was mentioned in an article <laughs> that I was reading in preparation for this episode. <laughs> that was actually, and I think it was in Better Homes and Gardens, and that was a game that's it's about birds, and it's like a very cool game that has a lot of different mechanisms. It has dice rolling, it has card collecting. You're collecting different kinds of cards. It's pretty simple to play. It's very family-friendly, beautiful, beautiful artwork. But one of the most significant things, and this is a possibly slightly off-topic, is that it's designed by a woman. And in the board game industry, unfortunately, it's very male-dominated. So this is a woman who was a breakout designer, which I think is pretty cool. I mean, I have a lot of games. I think maybe I have one or two that are designed by women or co-designed by women. Most of them are men. And most of them aren't American either. They're usually from Europe. So in addition to getting the most bang for your buck, that playability in those aspects of the game also help things. This article was called on people bs.org called Bringing Back Family Game Night. It'll be on the resource guide. Don't worry. Game nights also help children develop their motor skills. So they're holding their cards, they're rolling the dice, those kinds of things. They can also help them solve problems. And also, like we mentioned before, it fosters family bonding. We also talk a lot about on this podcast how, you know, we're worried that kids are getting their social lives on screens. So creating this love of in real life gaming can help them with their social life outside of the family. So that's another aspects of that article is fantastic so everybody should check that out 
It, do you want to talk about maybe the different types of family gaming or maybe in your opinion, like what are some of the best games for families like with little ones or school age or like different age groups? So there's so many different types of games out there. I'm going to highlight probably the most family friendly games are cooperative games. Mm-hmm. Yep. And those are games that you're not competing with each other. You're competing together against a common goal, which is usually the game itself. And some of the most well-known ones are Pandemic, which came out before the pandemic. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> it's actually pretty fun. Forbidden Island, Forbidden that Desert. like a terrible three months. <laughs> I kind of don't love cooperative games personally, because I kind of, I'm a little competitive, but I, I think I, I see the value in them. And I think that they're good for Family. I, I don't. I will not play them, but I think that I prefer more score. Yeah, you have to know your kids. You have to know what their yes. level of competition and when they start to get grumpy for. Yeah, you know the but, competition aspect. But healthy competition is good. True, because not everybody can be a winner. Forbidden Desert. That's a game where you're playing as explorers in the desert, and there's a shifting sandstorm, and the goal is to find an airship that, to get you out of the desert. And you move around on the board, and each person has a special power. And you're trying to uncover parts of this airship and they're scattered around. It's almost like a treasure hunt. And then once you get all the parts, you have to get out of the desert before you get buried in sand. Oh, wow. And what age is that most appropriate for? I would say probably like nine and up. Okay. I think you could play it with like a, a middle grade middle grade kid. It's not very complicated. It's fun. You can also, if you don't drink enough, you can die of thirst, which is very sad. <laughs> but there's a bunch of ways. A little bit. There's a bunch of ways you can lose. There's a whole series of Forbidden Games. Forbidden Island is another one, but Forbidden Desert was my favorite. I do like that one. Oregon Trail. Yeah. (laughs) Having like library flashbacks to like third grade. There are several games based on the Oregon Trail. I I do not recommend them. Too too depressing. They're not very good. They're just not very well. They're not very well produced. I'll put it that way. Brian died of dysentery. (laughs) (laughs) What about for littler ones? For littler ones, cooperative. I have to think about that, but. I can recommend a game called Rhino Hero. Have you heard of Rhino Hero or Super Rhino? Mm-mm. It's a dexterity game, and it works just as well with adults as it does kids, but you're basically building a tower of cards. And there's you get a handful of cards, and each one have a, a simple power. And it's made by this company called Haba. It's H-A-B-A, and they make very, very good family-friendly games. And I think it's a German company. Mm-hmm. But anyway, in this game, you start with a card on the table, and then you have a set of building they're building cards and they're folded in half and you fold the, the building card, you put the building card down then you have to put one of your cards on top of it. And then you have to put another building card and then another card on top of it. And if a player knocks it over, they lose. But there's also a couple twists. There's a rhino that's a little wooden figurine. And if you play a card that has the rhino on it, the player whose turn it is next has to pick up the rhino from inside the the, the house of cards very carefully and move them to the next floor. It's very, very tricky. Oh, that sounds oh. awesome. But it, it's fun. <laughs> That one you could play with probably age five and up because it's very, very easy to understand and it's fun and it has it's a very like card Jenga. Pretty much. Right, yeah. It has with a cool rhino Jenga. <laughs> it has a very cool visual presence on the table when you play that one. So like I said, I'm trying to get our family to be a gaming family to get us off the screens. And I had bought before really knowing much about gaming i bought a couple games from peaceable kingdom and they were really good for like three to five year olds so it's one called counting counting chickens which i believe we have here in the library and another one called feed the woozle so they're both like cooperative games so there's not really any competition but feed the woozle is so cute you get a spoon and you get this like 
card that has a disgusting food on it. And you have to put the little round card on the spoon and you have to spin this little spinner that tells you how you have to walk. So you either have to walk backwards or you have to, I think, do a silly dance and you have to get the spoon into the woozle's mouth. Mm-hmm. So it's like really cute. It's like helping your your little toddler with balance and all those things. And then I know I also just bought recently from a company called GameRight. I've bought a couple of them. Oh, I know GameRight. Yeah. A game. I we bought, I bought two. So one is called Outfoxed. So this is another collaborative game. It's there's a fox trying to eat pies <laughs> and you have to work you get all these suspect cards and you have to work as a family to like collect clues and figure out. It's kind of like clue. I guess, but a little more basic than that. And then I also bought for my older one, I bought a game called Sleeping Queens. And this is like a strategic game. I don't know that So one. this is like you flip over a card and it's like you have a magic power. You have to wake up the queens. I can't really describe it because it's a little complex, but that was super fun. So I like their games so far, those two. So cool. for what that's worth, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> they come in like the metal tins, right? I don't think maybe not. any of these I have are from metal tins, but... It's, they've been great, and they come with a little brochure with all their other games. So yeah, they're very fam- family friendly. Yeah, I definitely recommend Game Right Games. Yeah. Ooh, look at me. See? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, I should have prepared a list of games that we. <laughs> I don't know the names of any of them. I just know that we played them and had a good time. Right. We had a lot of we like a lot of trivia games, mm-hmm. and we seem around the holidays to always kind of either pull out something like a Boulder Dash. Delicious fun. Or like apples to apples, we really like. There's one about like worst case scenario or like it's like a survival type game. Like what would you do in these like survival type situations? What was the other one? It was kind of almost like a getting to know you. It was something that her grandparents had bought for her. And it was kind of like a card game where you're like telling stories and asking questions. And it was kind of like like an interview kind of story, starter. like conversational. Yeah, it was cool. Interesting. Yeah. My oldest made a game at school. Like she came home with a little plastic jar and had all these slips of paper on it and they had questions on them. And it's like a dinner game. Aww. So you like put the jar on the table and you everybody asks a question and it's like, what could you have done better today? Or like, what was your, if you could meet anybody the in the The psychoanalysis world. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of them are not that deep. Um, but I guess that just goes to show that games can be... It can be anything. Anything, right. Yeah, there's thousands and thousands of games out there that you may have heard of, may not have heard of. And it's like, it's amazing that then there's thousands that are being produced every year, too, that are new. So there's always, there's, there's something out there for everyone. And I think that when you're choosing a game for your family, you need to be considerate about who's the audience. How old are the kids and how much do they care about winning or losing? And a cooperative game might be the right thing if your kids are very competitive. But it's also good to teach them about being a, not being a sore winner or a sore loser. True. Because I think that's important. I've seen that a lot with teens. I play with teens who are both sore winners and sore losers. Oof. Sometimes the same person. It's a delicate balance. Yes, truly. Are there any games that you could recommend for parents of teens that are listening? Yeah, we have, if you come to the Carnegie Teen Center, we actually have a nice game collection, which I which I help curate. Those are not circulating games. They're the games you could play in the building. There's a game called Horrified, which is a cooperative game about the classic horror movie monsters from like the you know the 1940s and 50s. There's Dracula, there's Frankenstein. You're trying to battle them and help these villagers escape. And each monster has their own special power. Another game which I think is very fun. If you like a little mean games, if your if your families can handle a little nastiness, so <laughs> Survive Escape from Atlantis is a very mean competitive game. What makes it mean? 
you're all on an island and the goal is to escape the island and the island is sinking. Every turn you turn over a tile and when you sink it, if if another player's piece is on, like their, play, their little people they're trying to get off is on the tile, they get put into the water. And in the water, there are sharks and there are whales and there are also sea monsters. Wow. And you're trying to escape on boats, but the sea monsters can devour an entire boat. And you're trying to get your people to safety. And if they get eaten, then they're taken out of the game. You get points based on how many people you save. So it's a mean game in that you can just target people for no reason. <laughs> I like playing it with friends and family. It's a good way to like get aggression, as long as you don't take it too seriously and you take it too personally. Yeah. <laughs> don't take it personally. Don't take it seriously. But it's a fun game. Fun and mean at the same time. Yeah, I think that your family has to have the right vibe. Yeah. Game. My kind of sense of humor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love that though. What about do you have any games that are not as mean or horror <laughs> So, t- <laughs> Ticket to Ride is a good family game. It's for teens, it's for families. That was one of the first games I ever played. It's a game where you have to build train routes across the US and they also have other countries as well. There's also little mini versions of the game. We have, I think, several in the library's collection, but it's you're collecting cards and you're trying to collect certain color cards, and then you put your trains across the country and you're trying you get points based on how many trains are in the route. And you have secret routes like you're trying to collect connect from New York to St. Louis, for example. It's a cool game and it's a very good starting point if you're in, trying to get into strategy games because it's not too hard to understand and it's a family friendly game for sure so for my family it's so funny now i'm thinking about it, i'm like oh i'm trying to start a family gamers i'm like we have this game we play this game so maybe we already are gamers but we like to I, when we travel i like to bring card games with us we have a little dice game that's like a little pizza pie and you have to roll the dice i don't know i'm terrible at explaining the games but so are there any card games or dice games you would recommend that families could take with them on the go taking with them on the go let's say i mean we could say yahtzee I do like Yahtzee, even though that's like an old school game that is a small. The thing about travel games is that you want something that's going to have a a small footprint. You don't want something that's going to take up a lot of space. Right. I play games that I played in the airplane on on the way to like a trip to to like Florida, for example. And Mm -hmm. but as far as dice games go and card games, I'm trying to think of one that I can think off the top of my head. I played a game last night actually with a friend, and I and he thought he was going to buy it for. He has a lot of kids. He has I think five kids. So it's it's called Dead Man's Drawer. Oh. And it's a pirate theme game and you're playing cards, you're trying to it's a pressure lock game, which means that you you're trying to not bust. So you turn over cards and they have different suits. There's nine different suits and they're very piratey. There's a hawk, there's a sword, there's a mermaid. And if you turn over two of the same suit, you bust and your turn is over. So you have to decide how many turns are you how many cards you're gonna turn over, are you gonna keep going with the risk of getting a double? And each card has a special power, but the powers are very easy to understand. And it's definitely interactive. There's a cannon, which allows you mm. to destroy other people's cards that they've collected. Mm. But that's an excellent game that you could play on, on a vacation, on like in a hotel on the table, because it's not very big. And it's, yeah, most card games you can just throw in a bag. Right. Yeah, exactly. But if you're looking for something, that's not a typical game that most people have heard of. There's another game that my parents, and I play this with teens as well, called For Sale. Hmm. which is an auction game and you're bidding on different properties and then you're trying to sell them. But it sounds complicated, but it's very simple. And that's a card game as well. It has very minimal pieces in it too. So those are a couple of games I could recommend. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it seems like there's just something out there for every interest. I would yes. never even have thought like an auction game. Right? I love auction games. That's yeah. one of my favorite genres. That's, I didn't, what, that's, that's a, a genre, genre of games? Genre. There's a lot of games yeah, with auction elements. In wow. It. Yeah. And you said something before. What's pressure lock? Pressure pre- lock? Pre- oh, it's pressure lock. 
Oppress oh, your luck. I'm sorry. sorry. I may have said it weird, but no, no, you're good. <laughs> press your. There's a. That's a whole other series of games too with press your luck, where you're trying to be kind of like fighting against yourself. Whether should you keep going with the risk of losing completely? No whammy, no whammy, no. That's whammy. what I was yeah. thinking. Like I just saw that little like cartoon that devil guy. There's another game actually I could talk about briefly called Ink and Gold, and that one's very popular with families as well. You're going through a te- a, a temple and you're trying to get these hidden these gems, and there's also artifacts. And you pull out cards and there's different dangers, like there's a, like a mummy and there's also a fire. And if you get one fire or one mummy, you're safe. But if you get a second mummy, the entire run is bust, busted and you basically have to go back to the beginning. So you decide if you want to stay or go. If you keep going, you can get more and more treasure. But if you leave, you're safe, but you may miss out on treasure. But you don't know if that card's going to come out that's going to make you lose. That's what pressure lock is when you decide whether you want to keep going or you pressure lock and you possibly lose. Can you set the mummy on fire? <laughs> no, no. But it, that's a, it's a, and it has very cool little tents that you can uh, put the gems in and you're supposed to keep your points a secret. Very beautifully produced. Oh, I like oh. that. Yeah, I like that game a lot. Very cool. We play a very simple card game. It's called Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. <laughs> have either of you ever played this? Yes. You no, have? I have not. Yeah. So everyone at the, you start at the table. So if there's four people, you go around and then you start and you say the words in order. So I would say taco and the next person would say cat and the next person would say goat and cheese. And you keep going around and around. And every time you say one of the words, you put the, a card down and the cards have pictures of these things on it. So if the picture matches the word you said, you have to slap the pile. <laughs> And then if you slap the pile first, you get the pile. And whoever has the most cards wins. So it's very simple. A child who doesn't know how to read can definitely play that game. And it's, you know, we played it on trips and stuff like that. We've brought it to family gatherings and everybody loves slapping that pile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds like fun. That one's a fun one. Yeah. It's a, just very simple and basic. I actually write a column for the New York Library Association. It's on gaming. So I've kind of gone into detail about the different genres of games. And oh, where can people find that? I would have to find out if it's available <laughs> to the public. So. Oh. oh, I was just wondering if it would be available. To yeah, the it's in the Nyla voice. So Sorry. Like, oh. I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't think. But uh, Brian is here and you could always ask Brian. Yes. Yeah. I would definitely encourage anybody who's listening that has an interest in this topic or is just wondering how to get into gaming or get their family into gaming. Stop by the library. Talk to Brian at the Carnegie Library or if he's over at the main building or you can email him if you want to give your email. My email is bschwartz, B-S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z, at pmlib.org. And I do love getting emails, so feel free to email me. <laughs> I never met anybody who loves getting emails. I do like emails. <laughs> I do like it, I have to say. How could you say that when at the end of every oh, episode? Oh, I'm sorry, except from you, listeners. <laughs> I would love to get an email from you. <laughs> Brian, how can patrons learn more? Are there any resources you recommend for them to check out? Besides going on YouTube and looking at the Dice Tower, which I mentioned earlier, there's also BoardGameGeek.com, which is a very, very comprehensive database of every board game ever made, possibly. You type in the name of the game. There's forums that you can ask questions on the rules because sometimes the rule books, as you mentioned earlier, are not made very clear. There's video reviews. There's the instructions for all the games, which you could find on this website, too. It's a If you're into games, this is the website you want to be on. It actually lets you keep track of your collection of games. So if you want 
want to have a catalog of all your games. I use it to keep track of what games I have in my collection. Very, very in-depth. You can rate the games. It can You can actually log plays of it to see how many times you played a certain game. Very detailed information. I will also add for those of you that have been listening to us month by month, you'll have known already about the Toy Association and their the Toy Awards. So there's annual Toy Awards at toyawards.org. They have a game category that features top-notch games for all ages and interests. So they come out with it, like I said, every year. And it's a really helpful starting point. They had party games and also more involved, like strategic stuff. If you would like to recommend a game to me, please email me. And we had a patron actually contact us. They wanted a science game called Cytosis. We bought it for the collection and they checked it out. So that's available. There's a lot of educational games out there and there's games on literally any topic you could think of from a game about fashion design to games about different European countries and different different thematic things. There's actually a game that was an educational game called Freedom, the Underground Railroad, which was about slavery. And you're trying to rescue the slaves and bring them to their freedom. So lots of different games on different themes. And we're open to buying whatever you'd like for the collection. So come and suggest it. What a good way to reinforce what your kid is learning in school. So, you know, if they're learning about slavery in our country, like what a great way to have that conversation at home. That was a cooperative game, too. It was cooperative. And you're trying to work together to free the slaves. It was a pretty cool game. I actually met the designer at my convention and he did a presentation on the game. And the company makes educational games in general that are based on certain topics. They even include lesson plans, which is cool. Oh, wow. Thank you again, Brian, for joining. Joining us today. I hope this was um, helpful to all the families out there that want to learn about gaming. Um, And if you liked our podcast today, please let your friends and families know. And us. (laughs) We would love to hear from you. Despite Jesse's earlier comment about not liking email. (laughs) (laughs) We want to hear from you with your thoughts. Um, We want to know what kind of upcoming topics you'd like us to cover or just general feedback. How are you doing? You can email us at podcast at pmlib.org. Please visit our website, Adventures in Parenting. ParentingPML.podbean.com. Super long, but you can also link to it from the Patrick Bedford Library's website. Just click on the picture of the podcast and you can find resource guides for today's episodes and all of our previous episodes if you'd like to dig a little deeper into any of these topics. We also can be found on most major podcasting platforms. So if you listen to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any of the other ones, please subscribe to us and rate us. Yeah. Five stars. Five Let five. us know. You like it, you don't, we want to know. Exactly. All right. Thanks again, Brian. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much.